0: At SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. This feature is brought to you by the Solidarity Fund. Unity in action. COVID-19 has had a negative impact on gender-based violence. The Solidarity Fund has identified GBV as one of its focus areas and has partnered with various organizations to assist with medical and psychosocial services, PPE and access to shelters. To get help, call the National GBV Command Center on 0800-428-428 or visit the National Shelter Movement's website on nsmsa.org.za. Brought to you by the Solidarity Fund. Unity in Action. Thank you so much for staying with us. It is seven minutes after two o'clock, and as usual at this time, we speak to the Solidarity Fund. Um, the hashtag for this conversation is Solidarity for GBV. And in November 2020, the Solidarity Fund put a call out for applications from potential beneficiary organizations in the gender-based violence sector who would benefit from a once-off grant from the fund. This call uh, formed part of a Solidarity Fund second GBV intervention Program in support of the national efforts to mitigate the efforts of COVID 19 and the subsequent lockdown. The fund announced that the GBV selection and evaluation panel of the Solidarity Fund after meeting on the 5th of February, which is this year, and it approved 321 community based organizations and 11 systemic organizations to receive funding. The value of the funding is 61.25 million and nine million respectively and will impact approximately four million individuals through organizations providing service across the country. Now joining us to discuss all of this and that particular um, evaluation process Mr. Adam Boros who is Tsikukulu Social Investments. Now the question is who is Sikukulu Social Investment? Good afternoon Mr. Boros.
1: Good afternoon how are you?
0: I'm well, thank you. So your involvement in this particular assessment of these organizations, what was your involvement?
1: So Chikolulu is a uh, social investment management and advisory firm. So we work with a broad range of social investors who are putting funding towards good initiatives all over the country. Um, And we've been working with the Solidarity Fund since the very beginning. In March 2020, we started working, and primarily in support of the fund's humanitarian pillar, which is around food relief, Ah, confronting gender-based violence and a number of other community-based um, issues happening all over the all over the country. And then we also did some work on helping them design the overall impact framework for the fund.
0: And were there other social partners and stakeholders involved in putting together this uh, this entire envelope?
1: so this this one was a really unique one for the for the fund. It's the first time that the fund has done an open national call for applications. Mm-hmm. And so it was designed with a number of social partners. So of course, internal people at the Solidarity Fund, Genesis Analytics helped to design the program. We worked with a call center that's called Capability BPO, and then, of course, the selection and evaluation panel. And the idea was to design a call for applications, particularly for the community-based organizations, that was very inclusive. So trying to break down as many barriers as possible for small organizations to access this kind of funding, which they often struggle to find.
0: Just give us a sense of how many how many organizations actually came through. I think last week when we spoke to one of the conveners as well, um, it wasn't quite clear how many initial applications came through. Do you have that number now?
1: Yeah. So when we when we started designing, we had we had maximum estimation of a thousand applications that came through. Mm. We ended up re- receiving a thousand and twenty CBO applications, and then another one hundred and twenty nine systemic applications. Mm. So it ended up being an absolutely massive. Uh, massive call, which was wonderful because it meant that there were lots of organizations doing work and looking for support. Yeah, it definitely was bigger than we expected. Uh,
0: you know, we, when we spoke uh, over some time, the issue was to get organizations that are on the ground. Just give us a sense of what other criteria you had for these organizations.
1: So, the, the first um, kind of screening screening gate that they had to go through was just making sure that they they hit the, the minimum criteria, which is around completing the application correctly making sure that they're compliant in terms of the types of organizations the Solidarity Fund can give money to, and that their application was related to gender-based violence. And then once they made it through that, so 660 of the 1,020 applications made it through that first gate. And then once they got through there, we did a a deeper dive into those shortlisted applications, so looked at their understanding of gender-based violence and what drives the issue in the country, the quality of their proposal and the program that they were that they were um, wanting to implement, which geographies and space and, and communities they were trying to work in, what kind of potential we thought that there was for impact based on their proposal, the capacity and the track record of that organization, and then we kind of took all of that as an overall view, and then we and we short we shortlisted based on that criteria. <laughs>
0: There was a major concern around some of the issues that you discovered, even though on the ground, especially, you know, because there are community based organizations, they they were quite impactful. But in their submissions of the applications, there were some major gaps there. What were those gaps?
1: Um, I I mean, there, there are gaps around just the capacity of organizations to Apply for funding. So mm. it's, it's kind of it's an art and a science to apply for funding, especially mm. from large scale donors like the Solidarity Fund. Mm. And so we saw, particularly with the CBO call, there are a lot of organizations that just aren't well practiced in that in that process. Mm. And that's part of the reason we tried to design the process to be as simple and as inclusive as possible, so we could try to to bridge some of those gaps. So that was really the the primary gap in terms of just making sure that the, the quality that the fund needed was the quality that we were getting.
0: Mm. Now that we're here, I mean, do we have a sense of how many people this will reach?
1: So every applicant was asked in their application, how many beneficiaries will this proposal reach? Mm. And so taking that number as as the estimation mm. the and adding everything together, it comes out to just over 4 million beneficiaries. We now that grants are going to be approved and dispersed. We are also going to be actively monitoring and reporting on the impact. And so, through those reports, we'll be getting actual numbers. And so, of course, we'll, we'll have a different number at the end of at the end of the program. But the estimate based on those applications is four million, which is a an amazing number, needless to say.
0: Yeah. I know you touched slightly on geographical um, positioning of some of these organizations. Do we have a sense now, you know, geographically how far wide we've gone?
1: So, generally, in the kind of social investment space, the bulk of funding goes towards Western Cape, Eastern Cape, Gauteng, and KwaZulu-Natal. Mm-hmm. And that's similar in this case, is that those are the biggest chunks of funding. But what's really exciting is that we've got really great representation from the other provinces, which are usually, you know, mm-hmm. two, 2, 3, 5% of funding. So we have 20% of the funding going to organizations in Northwest, 14% in Northern Cape. 18% in the Pumalanga and 9% in the Popo. Oh, and then great. another 25% in pre So it's uh, a really nice geographical spread across the country.
0: Is it a nice mix between rural and urban?
1: Yeah, similarly, it's about just under 50% going into the rural areas. Oh, yes. um, that's great. About 40% into urban areas and then 15% into informal settlements. Mm-hmm. But probably urban and informal settlement, it was also self-reported. So you'll probably find that there's some... Kind of overlap between those two categories but most importantly more than 50 per, just about 50 percent going to to the rural, to rural areas
0: you know you spoke about the art and science of applying for funding and and I want to believe that you, you are not the only solution there will be other needs for these organizations to go look out for funding and there is a massive gap in how they they actually are able to apply is there a way we can capacitate these organizations going forward so that there is a sustainable plan because I wonder if they can't apply for funding if their books in general are looking healthy?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a huge challenge, um, not just in the GBV sector, but mm. across the country with, with CBOs. Uh, mm. Fortunately, a few of the systemic applications, so there were the 300 plus CBO applications, but then there's 11 that are going to more national level, systems level mm. um, organizations. And a few of those are looking at how do you build the capacity of community-based organizations. Mm. But it will require... Uh, a more a more proactive effort, and I think one of the challenges is that a lot of donors don 't typically want to fund the capacity building because it 's not yeah. very sexy yeah. it's yeah. it 's the hard work of yeah. getting an organization up and running mm. um, and so the solidarity fund is looking at possibilities of how how um, we might be able to do that, but then other other donors need to come to the table as well and, and really put in both the funding but also the time that it takes to be able to make that happen. Yes,
0: because I was going to say I mean yes, money is the one thing but there is other things that are required time and effort by other stakeholders and maybe other partners who may not necessarily bring in the money but maybe just a uh, uh, building of capacity as you said.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you often see what are called capacity building programs and then it's like a two-day training with organizations not enough. And, I mean, you're never going to get anywhere <laughs> not with enough. that, you know. Exactly. Not enough.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, um, it's good to hear that, you know, we, we, we are thinking about that. Um, the programs that you are funding, you are funding a lot of money, you're spending a lot of money on this, but, but I, I dare say it cannot be enough. Are they, are they sustainable?
1: Uh, say uh, uh, what's the, sustainable? the
0: the programs so oh, the programs that you have selected and that have got the funding now, your money is quite helpful and it'll be great, but beyond the money you're giving them, are those programs sustainable do you do you believe that they will be able to to carry out their work even without your funding
1: mm-hmm. yeah, so I mean as you say, this is a drop in the ocean it's you know seventy million rand seems like a lot of money, but it's actually tiny compared to the problem mm. um I think so the CBO call specifically has been designed as an emergency response, uh, emergency response funding. So that is, in that sense, not sustainable and that it's going to emergency response and hopefully will make an impact in, in communities all over the country. The systemic call is specifically designed for sustainable solutions of how do you help strengthen the capacity of, as I said, CBOs or the criminal justice system or local government officials. Um, how do you create digital solutions? How do you work with early childhood development practitioners to change gender norms from a very early age? I mean there's a whole range of systemic initiatives that the fund is supporting. But at the other at the other end of the spectrum, I mean GBV and this kind of work isn't sustainable in the sense that these organizations are going to be able to generate their own funding and run businesses. I mean, this is real yeah. community strengthening work and so you do need sustainability in the in the sense of donors giving funding to these organizations. On a dependable, long-term basis to help them build their systems and then have the long-term impact as well. So that's that's a much longer journey, but the fund is hoping that some of the systemic work and really setting forward a model of how do you fund these types of small organizations will have sustainable impact in the long term.
0: And I mean, in terms of the last word for those who didn't make it, what 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 kind of advice would you give them?
1: I mean. It's really, it was really tough. We actually sent out the regrets to you know mm. over almost a thousand uh, organizations last last week mm. and And all you can really say is yeah. there was a limited amount of funding, and hard decisions had to be made by the selection panel. And that it isn't really it isn't a reflection of the importance of the work those organizations are doing mm. and in uh, the need for them to keep pushing and, and, and putting in putting um, in as much effort as possible yeah. um, but at the end of the day there's you know there's limited finance and and you need to put the money where where, you, where the panel felt it was going to go to the best use. It's tough.
0: Yeah, it's definitely tough. Thank you so much for yeah. talking to us. This is Adam Boros, um, who is from C Kukulu Social Investment. They were part of a panel making a decision on who gets that uh, all-important funding from Solidarity Fund, the GBV Funding, Intervention Funding. And if you are a victim of GBV or you know someone who needs help, please contact the National GBV Command Center that operates 24-7. And the number is 800-428-428 and if you are unable to speak send a please call me by dialing star 120 star 7867 hash or you can SMS help to 31531